1: Hi, welcome to Prince Kai San Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club. I'm Bethany,
2: and I'm Becca,
1: and welcome to episode two.
2: Yeah, I'm excited. Today we're covering chapters two and three of Cinder. Yes, and we're to improve our audio. Yes. So thank you for tuning in again. Please bear with us. We are. Learning and trying to improve. So hopefully this is better, and um, and we have we have plans for better, better as soon as possible. So.
1: Yes, we're looking into better uh, microphone equipment and software. So <laughs> yes. just bear with us until we figure out this podcasting stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody makes it look so easy.
2: I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness for our tech support.
1: Yes, thank you to um, our tech support team, a.k.a. my husband. He's doing a great job. We really appreciate him. Thank you, Quentin. (laughs) So should we get started on Chapter 2? Yeah, let's jump right in because we left
2: off um, Chapter 1 we off in a frenzy. There's... We, we did. We did. Sorry. Um, yeah, we left off. We're at the marketplace. Mm-hmm. We've met Cinder. Um, we've met Ico. And there was a sudden change in the atmosphere at the market. And because Chang Sasha has the plague. Yes. So
1: And we left off with them. Oh, do you want to read the actual passage?
2: Oh, sure. Um, Okay. Yeah, so Iko, and I'm starting just in the middle of page 16 here.
0: Okay. Um,
2: Iko had some worry in her robotic voice Mm -hmm. and not quite understanding what was going on, and Cinder tells her, don't worry. Um, They're hiding, crouching down in the back of her booth. And there they waited, Cinder breathing as shallowly as possible until they heard the sirens of the emergency hover come and take Sasha away.
1: That's a pretty dramatic cliffhanger for our very first chapter of a book.
2: (laughs) It sure was. Yeah, and so we open up in chapter two and the sirens, hadn't stated before the hum of another engine rumbled into the square. People are running, people are spitting commands, it says. Um and, and it syndrome,
1: also, A SWAT team.
2: It says, yeah, it's like um SWAT
1: team is coming in.
2: Exactly. So I'm picturing like the yellow hazmat suits and And all of that business. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, And then Cinder is basically sneaking out the back of her little store. Well, first I wanted to ask
1: you, um, there was a change to Chang Sasha's name at the bottom of page 17. Yes. um, Yes, there was. I looked it up. It added a suffix of j i e apostrophe s and the e has a sort of um sideways crescent above it. I'm not sure yeah. the name of that symbol um, I yeah I googled it. It's a little vague, but it basically says that it's common um in Mandarin to add that as a title of honor, so I'm wondering if it's similar to saying miss rebecca miss bethany
2: yeah um, or like in japanese like bethany san is yeah. a respectful thing um and a little more formal
1: yes so if any of our yeah. listeners um know a better explanation of that suffix we would love to hear it
2: mm-hmm. yeah and we see it when cinder is explaining to aiko that they're going to burn Sasha's Zeus. Um, yes. Yeah. So is this letamosis something that can be burned, or is this just to make people feel better and make them think that they're doing something to stop the spread?
1: So, a little Maybe. history lesson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We compared this last chapter to the bubonic plague in the Middle Ages. Uh-huh. The bubonic plague was started because Pope Gregory the Ninth ordered the execution of all the cats. so yeah. the <laughs> rat population skyrocketed as did the flea population, and the plague was thought to be carried th- through the rats and the fleas. so they used to burn an area where there were plague victims to kill the fleas, because they would also carry the plague. Now, it seems like this is airborne. So, I wonder what burning would accomplish.
2: Right. Yeah. Possibly nothing. Uh, Possibly it's just a calming mechanism, just for morale, I guess. Um, Like spraying Lysol? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, or, you know, um, just just using your oils or (laughs) or whatever, you know. Yeah, oils. Yeah, yeah, so could be. Um, Yeah, because scientifically, like, if it's airborne, I don't know that that burning the booth would really do much. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, also no other shopkeeper is going to want to come in and rent out that bakery after what just happened so that's very true that's very true I yeah, may as well just start over and rebuild I guess with the new tenant um, um
1: so the square gets abandoned and
2: yeah. Cinder is like really irritated yes yeah he definitely is and it's I love how Iko asks are we in trouble
1: well cause because Cinder starts trying to sneak out the back door with
2: Kai's robot tucked under her arm. Yes, I don't, I don't know. I find Iko adorable. Um, so she's asking if we're in trouble. and So there's this, no, she can't be bothered with a trip to the quarantine. She's so almost she's-
1: completely desensitized to the whole situation. Two seconds ago, it was, oh no, Chang Sasha, panic, cover her mouth, and now it's I just cannot be bothered with a trip to the quarantines today I don't have time for it I just don't
2: right yeah and and I wonder how much of it is just that they see this a lot and so it really is just kind of something that you'd be blase about or how much of it is that it's so terrifying and that this is just a coping mechanism and we're just kind of Pretending that we're more annoyed by it than scared. I would say maybe it's a mix of both because we
1: find out in this chapter why she's so afraid of it.
2: Right. Yeah. I would say we, it's a
1: mix of both.
2: Yeah, we do find a lot more out about metamosis um, coming up. So. So uh, let's talk
1: about. There's a little bit more world building. Yeah it's still kind of confusing Uh if the market is outside or not. It does talk um, that don't worry, she's all the way across the square. So we know that they are on some sort of square. We know that there were kids playing. We know that they're at the market, but at the last chapter it's, when they closed the gates, it sort of seemed like it was more industrialized. And now Mm -hmm. she's sneaking out the back door into an alley. So are we still picturing like a farmer's market?
2: Yeah, I'm thinking that it's more of a permanent marketplace than I had originally pictured. Um, Because when I think like the farmer's markets around here, it's just tents that pop up on the weekends and, they pack in and pack out every day in their little pickup truck, you know, and, and it, it's pretty temporary, but this definitely with them rolling doors down and having a back door and, um, and all of that, I'm thinking that it's definitely a more permanent spot. Um, and I'm still picturing open air, um, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, so there are some farmer's markets that I've been to. Quincy Market in Boston um, is kind of like a hybrid of the two things I'm picturing, I guess. Um, It definitely is a farmer's market that has like these little stalls set up and they're somewhat permanent. Now, it actually has a roof over it, so it's not completely open air but it's like this giant pavilion so like you almost kind of still feel like you're outside um I don't know if this is something similar um the alleyways kind of confused me
1: yeah I looked it up online and from the images it it does seem like that Boston market would be very similar to what she's trying to describe here yeah possibly We're just overlooking something or we're overthinking it.
2: Right. (laughs) Yes. Imagine us overthinking something. Um, Right. Marissa Myers like it's
0: market. Move on. Right. Yeah. So
2: let's move on. Um, Um, so she sneaks out, she brings Kai's Android with her. Yeah, she tucks it under her arm, so she's gonna take it home. Yeah. So her her booth or store, or whatever it is that she has at the market, um, it was kind of described in the first chapter as, like, selling, like, grease, and there's, like, parts everywhere, um, but she's taking this Android home, so she has somewhere else, also, that she works on. Projects. Yes, yeah, so yeah. not at the market.
1: Or possibly she doesn't want to leave Kai's android unattended because of how valuable it is because of who it belongs to
2: oh true yeah he did say that it um that it contains top secret secret. top secret information and it's a matter of national security and he said that he was joking but her little light went off so that's pretty true I
1: I I agree with you to a certain extent, but I do wonder if she's protecting the android by taking it with her and not leaving it unattended.
2: It definitely could be, or it could just be like, oh, Prince Kai touched it. You know, like she's a little more um, schoolgirl crushy than one would originally think. So
1: who knows? Yeah, she tries to hide it so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so they're sneaking now through all these alleyways. It says so, a maze. A maze. Yes. So buildings and buildings and buildings and alleys and it's a maze and it's crazy and they're trying to get home and there's net screens everywhere. So
1: when I picture these alleys, yes. I'm not just picturing a road alley. I'm also picturing you know, sometimes they'll have a gap in between buildings and it'll be like an alley and it's narrow enough for like one or two people and it's just, I don't know, like five or six feet in between a building. So I'm also picturing them like funneling through those areas.
2: Yes. Yeah, I was picturing that as well, that these are the type of alleys that pedestrians would use, but that you couldn't necessarily take a vehicle down yeah um yeah because the alleys that we have here where I live, um the parts of town that have them they're pretty substantial um you know there's generally a road that like a garbage truck can sit down, you'll have dumpsters, you'll have you know everybody's back door, and mm-hmm. all of that, but that's not what I'm picturing here. I'm picturing more like city just between buildings just to cut through don't yeah. have to go all the way around the block.
1: Very New York City, um, midtown type feel.
2: Yes. Which, actually, I forget. I don't know if it was on This American Life or what. I heard this on. But apparently, New York City doesn't actually have alleys the way that, like, is portrayed in, in, in TV. It, Yes. Yeah. Apparently, there's literally like only one classic New York alley in New York.
1: That alley gets a lot of screen
2: time. It does. No, that's the thing. Like, that's what this episode was about. It was like, there's only this one alley and it's called such and such a thing. And like people film here constantly. Like, It's the thing. So if you see, like, an episode of, like, SPU or something, and they're in an alley, pay attention next time. It's always the same alley. There's only one. That's so
1: interesting. I would not have thought of that.
2: Oh, I wish I knew what podcast I heard that on. I would definitely be interested to
1: learn more about that. But that is still what I'm picturing, but... Yeah, yeah.
2: No, I'm picturing it, too. I'm picturing classic New York alley.
1: Yeah. I'm wondering if that's very inaccurate now. Maybe we should look up a picture of this market, and we'll share it on our Instagram page. And then we'll look at pictures of uh, alleyways and maybe share those, too.
2: (laughs) Go for it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pictures of all the alleys. So like you said, but there's
1: it, screens everywhere on the buildings, uh, on the side of the buildings, on the walls of the
2: buildings. And
1: uh-huh. I'm picturing something like Hong Kong.
2: Yes. Is that what you're picturing? Yes. yes, like like Hong Kong, like Tokyo, like Times Square type of thing, advertisement. Just overwhelming amount of uh, visual
1: clutter. Visual clutter. What a wonderful phrase. Yes. That's a fantastic way of wording it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so they they stop to rest because they think they're far enough away. And Aiko is really sad about all the sticky buns. She is.
2: And this is so stinking cute. I love Aiko. She's so adorable. She's never tasted a sticky bun. She
1: doesn't have taste buds. But this is one of those moments like I talked about last episode where I forget that she is not human. And they're quick to remind me that it's because she doesn't have taste buds, which is good because that is not a robot sentence. That is not an Android or a pre-programmed response. That is all those sticky butts. I
2: know. Oh, and it just breaks my heart. She has such sweet, like, feelings. And she's an android. And she has these feelings. And it's adorable. And I'm sorry, Iko, but I can relate to the sticky buns. Because let me tell you, I will never forget the day. And this was how long ago? When did you start working with me? Um, in years? 2016,
1: January. And had we been in the new building for a
2: while or at that point? Do you know?
1: I believe so because it was, you okay. we were already to standing desks when I started working there.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. So this had to have been like, I know it seems
1: like I worked there for a really long time. I know.
2: <laughs> was this so had good. to have been five or six years ago. Um, because it was it was before I met you. We were in the old building. They hadn't remodeled the new one yet. All of this stuff. There was this day at the office that a coworker had this cupcake, and it was one of those like big cupcakes, you know. And it was a chocolate cupcake, and it had purple frosting. And I will never forget this cupcake. And guess I have issues. Okay, whatever. Don't we all? Cupcake. But at the time, I was not eating baked goods. Okay, I had not had baked goods in months. They were out of my life. It was not a thing. It was not a problem. I didn't want the cupcake, really. That is not a
1: sentence I have ever said in my whole life.
2: (laughs) It was temporary. There
1: have been times when I have gone to the store at like 9 o'clock at night because I want ice cream or brownies or something. Like
2: I just have Ooh. no. Shame. Okay, I just remembered that there are brownies in my kitchen cupboard that I forgot about.
1: Anyway, See, at my house they would have been baked and eaten in a day
2: and a half. <laughs> oh so, no, they've been there for three hours. I just. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um Wow. Well, um. So, anyways, so there was this cupcake, and it was in the break room, and 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 there were probably like six or seven of us sitting there eating lunch, and. The girl whose cupcake it was just got up and threw it away. Just cupcake in the trash and I was like what's going on? And she was this like oh, right there. Okay. Oh, well, I just didn't want it. I didn't want the cupcake. And I just I will never get over this. It's literally it has been six years. I will never get over this because who throws away a perfectly good cupcake just because you don't want it right then and not in that minute? Yeah. Like, and there's six other people there who might have wanted it. You know, there's a whole office full of people behind you that might have wanted it. Or maybe you want it in like an hour. Like, it's only noon. You know, you've got like four hours of work left. She you change your mind and then the cupcake's gone like why would you just and I don't even know where this cupcake came from or why she had it or anything I she just threw it away
1: this is kind of familiar to me so like we said we used to work together I yeah. practice intermittent fasting um yeah. and we had a breakfast club on Fridays and I wouldn't eat until 1.30 in the afternoon. So I would bring a Tupperware container <laughs> for my, my Panera ba- bagel or my Krispy Kreme donut. And I would put my treat in my Tupperware container until 1.30 when it was time to eat. And I used to drive so many coworkers crazy because we would walk by my cubicle and see my donut. and <laughs> I just
2: had to wait. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Like self-control. Yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> That's not a thing. That's not in my life. Um, thank you. Yeah. Anyway.
1: So, go's upset about the sticky buns because she's never had one. It's so we cute. We find out Cinder has never had one either.
2: Oh, my goodness. Okay, yes. Sorry. I totally derailed us, but this is important. Can Sasha... Degregate. Not... Yes.
1: She did not serve cyborg. It literally says... Chang Sasha didn't serve cyborgs, period.
2: Yeah. Just all matter of fact, like this is a thing and it's just a fact and So I'm
1: wondering is this legal segregation where there's mm-hmm. signs everywhere, you know, like in, in the United States there used to be signs, in South Africa there used to be signs that would say whites only or blacks only. Mm-hmm. So is this the type of segregation where there's, it's legal, there's signs everywhere, you have to respect the signs and the legality of it? Or is it just, you know, she's prejudiced and Cinder didn't report the fact that she's discriminating against customers?
2: Right. Yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, it's bonkers to to realize that this sort of thing could still happen over a hundred years from now. Right. But, I mean, I guess it's not super surprising. Prejudice is kind of always a thing.
1: We're still dealing with it even today.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's very sad how realistic the thought of that is.
1: And unfortunately, it's, It's really, it's really authentic Uh because at least from growing up in the United States and from the experiences that I've had and from, you know, family stories and what we learn in school and things like that, segregation used to be far too accepted. Yep. And. I'm wondering if this is, if is this an accepted society norm? Is this something people are challenging? Is it just Chang Sasha? Is it just a small group of people that don't like cyborgs? So, you know, they, they hold up a sign that says we reserve the right to refuse service to anyone. Or is this actual, is it legal to segregate against cyborgs? Because they're still human. Uh-huh. They're just not 100% human. So what would your sign even say? humans only or no cyborgs or
2: yeah I, I I, don't know um, I'm hoping that we find out more about it because
1: um, it's just a vague you know it's not even a full sentence it's just five words right
2: I do think though, um, to your question of you know is this just Chang Sasha being prejudiced or is this more white like, but I would think that it's almost definitely fairly widespread with how Cinder goes to such lengths to hide the fact that she is a cyborg and the fact that it seems that a lot of people, um, you know, acquaintances at the marketplaces, that don't know. That's a good point. Yeah, I would think that, um, I would think that definitely it's pretty prevalent for her to... Be wearing gloves in this August heat that we have uh, and and being worried about people people finding her out basically
1: yeah that's that's very interesting. I think I would agree with you on that it can 't be just Chang Sasha she wouldn't have been so desensitized to the reaction that she had, and she wouldn't have been trying to hide it from Kai
2: right, yeah, and you know definitely people. Um, People from marginalized groups, um, there's definitely a history there, um, where people have gone to pretty great lengths to try and hide the fact that they are part of a group that is normally, um, what's the word, discriminated against, um, you know, we have, obviously World War Two. you know, we had, um, we had yeah. people my
1: sisters and I recently did a 23 and me and ancestry and found out I already know that I have Romanian roots from um, part of my family and and gypsies and that some gypsies did die in World War II. Um, But now we have found out we also have Jewish ancestors who died during World War II. And Uh that was one of the largest attempts at covering up your heritage. There were several people who dyed their hair, changed their name, cut their hair, changed their clothes, ran away. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely interesting that she would go to such links to try to hide who she is. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder what the consequences of being a cyborg are.
2: Right. Yeah, I I don't know what the consequences would be, and I do hope we find out. Um, And then, of course, you know, people hiding their ancestry you know it's it's obvious it's, it's of course gone on longer than that you know back in times when slavery was legal um you know we did have people of african descent who were lighter skinned and could pass um so the whole passé blanc thing which my french pronunciation is awful um but that was a thing um you know if you could if you could pass as a Caucasian person then you could more easily escape the door and uh, and it's and all interesting of that.
1: that that's even a factor because there are some there are some physical characteristics that are common in Romanian gypsies like you know and Jewish people but for the most part I mean you couldn't look at me and be like oh yeah she's definitely Romanian no I'm just I look like wow. anybody else um, but you could look at someone who's a little darker skin and has kind of curly hair and think I wonder if she's mixed and so it's interesting that we're given this idea this inflection that she tries to cover up who she is but Really, it doesn't seem to be that difficult, at least for her. If she just wears, you know, long sleeves and gloves and boots, mm-hmm. that's not something other people could easily do. She just has to wear the right clothing to hide who she is. And I'm wondering, right. are there other cyborgs who have to put in quite a bit more
2: effort? Or even that, it's, that it would be impossible to hide in certain situations? I don't know because, yeah, we don't know really what cyborgs. Are or how they're made or or anything like that. I'm definitely interested to find out, but I would think that definitely there's probably a spectrum, um, and that Cinder comes from a more privileged end of cyborgness, in that she can hide it from a lot of
1: people, um, as opposed to someone who might not have the means to hide it. Or possibly has too many physical extremities that would give it away. Um, And then there's possibly those who don't need to go through any links to hide it, really. I mean, if, for example, you had, I don't know, maybe you replaced a rib cage or something. I mean, you could even, that doesn't need to be hidden at at all. So it's interesting the, the different levels of being a cyborg. And we're not really given that information yet or anytime soon, even but it's definitely something we should keep an eye out for so we can try to see what where she falls on this hierarchy of cyborgs.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, oh, it's also interesting. I know. Sorry, I'm excited. <laughs> I am. Uh, so let's, let's move on. So she
1: doesn't, there's prejudice, it's segregated, and then we. she's walking home and she sees the
2: palace. Yes. Speaking of segregation, um, I mean, really, we definitely have if not like a technical structured class system we definitely have classes and levels and haves and have not and I don't college.
1: think I don't think that it's an actual class system for example like what they have in India where it's very It's very strict. It's very severe. You fall into these categories. Your children fall into these categories. Your children's children fall into these categories. It's very strict. I don't necessarily think that it's something that severe, but we can't pretend that here in America we don't live in a class society because we kind of do. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) um, Absolutely. I have to assume it's at least something similar to the system. I'm putting this in quotations that we have here not necessarily legally enforced uh, but there's definitely the haves and the have nots
2: absolutely yeah. we definitely have people with certain privileges and people who do not have certain privileges uh, and this shining example in New Beijing is this palette on a cliff and it just <laughs> sounds it sounds amazing yeah. Right. Pointed gold roofs,
1: sparkled orange beneath the city, ornate gables, tiered pavilions, a rounded temples stretching to the heavens.
2: It's, it's very shiny. It is, it is. We get a more vivid description of this palace than we've even gotten so far of Cinder. Um, <laughs> we get
1: an entire out. paragraph about... This palace and all we know is that Cinder can put her hair in a ponytail and she wears gloves. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But this I wanted to this is really, really poetic. I wanted to find um this Oh, here it is. uh, sparkling orange beneath the sun, the windows glinting light back into the city. And so it's almost like this shiny, unobtainable beacon. When she's walking past it. And it's interesting because she's walking through a maze of alleys. She's walking by shiny buildings. It talks about towering skyscrapers and net screens. And now she sees the palace. Um, and we get the impression that she walks this every day on her way home. But now it's different. Now she looks at that palace and she thinks, oh, I know him. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Cinder paused longer than usual to look up at it, thinking about someone who lived beyond those walls, who was up there perhaps this very second. So, this has got a little
1: crush. (laughs) She almost almost judges herself for thinking about it so quickly after it's happened.
2: But also, like, who among us has not walked by or driven by the home of Whoever that we've got the crush on, and just kind of stared at it. I mean, so uh, she
1: she gets home. It's interesting. We go through all of this with her, and she shows up to what seems like a pretty shabby apartment.
2: It uh, does. It seems like um like a kind of a government type project subsidized. type of place. Yeah. Yeah. And she scams so- her wrist to get in can we talk about this this
1: futuristic invasion of privacy conspiracy theory chip embedded in somebody's wrist
2: yeah which sounds awesome on the surface but also creepy like how google's always listening to us the government always knows where you are and yeah it's It's a little icky, but also, like, the convenience of it sounds super nice. Because let me tell you, just as, like, my life currently, it is so hard to unlock a door ever. Because I have these children. And there are two of them. And I don't have a free hand. So to be able to just, like... Yeah, how nice without be It's like oh. those
1: cars where you can put your foot under the scanner and it'll pop open the door
2: for you. I want one of those so bad. <laughs> that and those minivans with like the doors that open automatically. Someday. I'm so, I'm so old. I I just I dream about these things. Anyway, creepy. Um, so they go inside and they're in this musty basement, and I love it. I love
1: when you can yeah. smell a sentence while you're reading it.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's so vivid that they- anyone who's ever sure. been
1: in an unfinished basement knows exactly what that smell is.
2: Yeah, but it's always damp. Just damp. Kind yeah, and of apparently she has this whole workshop down there, which is actually pretty cool. She's got, like, three little storage lockers that are her workshop.
1: But she also calls it her cell.
2: She does.
1: And not to jump too far ahead, but we're not given any indication that she has a bedroom. Not in these chapters. Mm-hmm. And I honestly can't yes. remember if there's any inf- information in the future, but definitely not in chapters one, two, or three are we given any indication that she has an actual bedroom. This is the only space that we're told about.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely interesting. Um, and what's... um.
1: Oh, I should know it, right? Because I'm a librarian. The Grimm's expression. <laughs> the Grimm's fairy tale expression of her having to sleep on the the earth. Having to sleep uh, on the floor. Oh, okay, wait. There was no bed for her, and at night when she had worked herself weary, she had to sleep by the earth on in the ashes. Uh, so is it possible that no rest for the wicked. She has to sleep in this cave cell dungeon workspace that Audrey has blessed her with. Cause that's basically what she says is that Audrey gave it to her.
2: I really hope not. I really want her to have a real bed at the very least, but uh, yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah. Um, But so they drop Kai's android off, they go upstairs, there's children running down the corridors, um, it's a bustling, bustling place, and they go into the apartment. And the first thing we hear is Audrey, the stepmother, telling someone that Peony looks like an old woman and needs a lower neckline. So lower necklines are still a thing over a hundred years from now and this just makes me mad because I'm sorry but this whole ah, with the necklines I just can't even
1: I agree I'm actually very conservative when it comes to dressing and I it's interesting because I I am actually fairly skinny so if I wanted to wear you know, a crop top I could, but I've never been comfortable exposing my stomach that much, but I'm actually seeing more and more body positivity about, um, women of all sizes wearing crop tops. And it seems like we're actually starting to cover our necks and our chest more and (laughs) expose our, and expose our, our stomachs more. And, uh, I mean, if you really feel the need to expose something, I suppose that's better than your chest. But it is interesting that there's always something being exposed.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a cyclical thing, what you're what you're mentioning about the, the shirts getting shorter but the necklines getting higher. Because right now, like the nineties fashion is coming back. And in the nineties, we wore a lot of like crop top turtlenecks. <laughs> yeah, I'm picturing, like, every
1: outfit that Shannon Doherty wore on Charmed. Okay, <laughs>
2: which I never saw Charmed, but... It's, but yeah. it's a lot of belly
1: shirts for no reason.
2: <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of those in the mid to late 90s, and they're definitely coming back, um, which actually makes me kind of concerned, because if the 90s come back, and the 2000s are next, and I cannot handle... Those low-rise jeans coming back, <laughs> like those were
0: The little tiny butterfly clips. I
2: did do a lot of them. Chokers. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's true. It wasn't all bad. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So.
1: So we get. <laughs> Again, again, we're not told anything about what Cinder looks like, but we find out what Peony looks like, we find out what Pearl looks like, and we find out what Audrey looks like in this uh, chapter here. We
2: do. Yeah, we get a very thorough description of Audrey. She is all done up. Even though she leaves
1: the apartment.
2: Yeah, she's not going anywhere. She's got this full makeup on in the August heat that we have been told is Humid? Uh, uh,
1: Why? We're also told she has a holographic fireplace. Okay. So, her appearances, because it's not keeping you warm, girl.
2: Uh, Yeah, but also, like, how terrible does that sound when it is a hot humid day, and it's August, and it's miserable, and you're looking at a fire? I just I would rather look at a pile of ice cubes. Why are you looking at a fire? That I totally sound Yeah.
1: It's I
0: have really issues in bad. the
1: summertime when it gets hot. I won't eat like hot food. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, the thing. Eat, like cereal or cold sandwiches or a salad or something. It's just too hot to eat hot food. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Too-
2: yeah. It's not pleasant. I, I don't understand this fireplace. She. They are living in this apartment building that's so overcrowded. It's been just subdivided and subdivided and subdivided until it's just a million teeny tiny apartments. So they're not wealthy people. Well, it
1: also says that she has um, replications of antique fans on the wall as decoration. So it seems like that plus you know, she's very obsessed with her daughters looking a certain way. She wears makeup, even though she doesn't leave the apartment. It seems like she's very concerned about appearances.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, she seems definitely materialistic and definitely into appearances and into looking a certain way to impress whoever. She just yeah, she just cares a lot, clearly, about.
1: And this, we also get, like, a Mrs. Bennett Pride and Prejudice vibe from her. She's obsessed with finding her daughter a husband, and it doesn't seem like this is a new thing. It seems like she's, this is what she's put all of her focus on. No one seems surprised when she's, other than the seamstress, I suppose, but her daughters, her stepdaughter, no one seems surprised when she talks about Audrey needs to find Pearl a husband. Mm-hmm. And she's 17. Is, Pearl is 17. 17. So, and then we also get, and this is where I take issue with, let's take her waist in some more. We want her to find a husband. So being thin is necessary to to be attractive enough in quotations to, to get a husband. I mean, it also Mm -hmm. says that you could already see her, the edges of her ribs beneath the fabric and they still want to tighten it in. They still need to, she needs to look thin. And yes, in Asian culture, historically speaking, there has been a preference for women who are pale, women who are thin, but it, it's more body positive now in our society. And so it seems like this is a step back.
2: Absolutely. This is at least 130 some years from now. And this is still a thing. And it's just... And it's, so possible, it's, a thing, it's possible it's a thing that came
1: back. But, you know, I'm just thinking of like how... Okay, so for example, in um, you can go online and look it up. In the early 20s and 40s, women wanted to look thicker. They wanted to have more curves. They wanted to be a fuller figure. And there were actually products and advertisements that would sell types of lard to women to quote fatten them up and all you can look it up online i can share a picture if anybody wants um there are actual advertisements that would say things like feeling a little too skinny and it would provide all this stuff that would help you quote fatten up so you would be more appealing and now yeah. we're getting more and more thin in you know in the 90s they had like the heroin chic stuff and now we're getting a little more body positive so are we rolling back in a couple hundred years into the future we're talking about being thin again
2: apparently Yeah, and we should find that ad, one of those ads, and put that on the Instagram, by the way. Oh, absolutely. I can find that really easily. Yeah, I've seen those before, too. Um, Yeah, you know, because right now, I feel like we're kind of in a moment where um, there are a lot of people working very hard, um, not just to be, like, body positive about, you know, and a little bit bigger, but also just all across the board, right? Because people are skinny shamed too. I mean, all the time. That's a thing. That is a thing, and people and don't know all of it. So I am skinny,
1: and and that's just luck of the draw. Yes, but I do work out. I do diet. I do, you know, I work hard on that. But I will say. Skinny shaming is one of those things I think that for me, I feel guilty even being upset about because I know that it comes from a place of, for lack of a better word, jealousy. And so it's, you know, yes, they're shaming me for being skinnier than they are, but not because they think being skinny is bad or wrong. And so it it almost makes you feel, at least on my end of the spectrum, it almost makes me feel a little guilty Um, I do have several friends who are quite a bit more supportive, but, um, at least on my side of this scale, it's, it's not always happy and positive. Some people are like, Oh, I hate you. (laughs) That's the one one I can't stand the most. You know, when I, when I say random things like, Oh, I love ice cream. They're like, Oh, I hate you. I can't eat ice cream. Well, you should try fasting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But also like. I mean, I'm a little bit lactose intolerant, but really, I mean, most people can eat some ice cream anyway. Well, it's really so a lot lot
0: of the,
1: like being thin, I think people think that if you're skinny, you can eat whatever you want and you'll just stay that way, and it doesn't really work that way.
2: Um, it really doesn't, and and also you do have those skinny people who you kind of a, a lot of people might say like, oh, I just want to punch her in the throat because she eats whatever she wants but also like maybe she doesn't want to eat the things that everybody does you know
1: well,
2: like I that's you- a thing too
1: I think people get that impression with me sometimes, you know, they see because I only eat like one or two meals a day. So during those one or two meals, I can get like eight or 900 calories. So I can go somewhere and I can order a burger and I'll eat the whole burger. And then I'll get people that are like, oh, I can't believe you can eat all that. And you're still skinny. And it's like, well, this is all I'm eating today. <laughs> right. I'm not also having, you know, a bagel for breakfast and pasta for lunch. And you know, this is my eat. This is what I'm having for today. So yeah, it's really easy because that's where my calories are going, but I'm still only getting a certain amount of calories.
2: Sure. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, it. I guess to get back on track, like, yeah, I think right now there's definitely a lot of people working super hard to just be accepting of literally everybody. Mm-hmm. Um. And so yes in the past like in Victorian times it was in to be a little bit chubbier because that meant that you could afford to eat right. you know and then like Twiggy came along and it's like you know it, you had to be real yeah. thin and and it does go back and forth but right now I just feel like there's a lot more diversity and yeah we still have a long way to go um, yeah. but to think that in 135 years like instead of Yeah, to by that much, I hate
1: it. I hate it It so much. It might just be because it's an Asian culture and she's trying to draw us back to that. I will say, it's not much of a spoiler, I will say, but there is more body positivity and more inclusiveness throughout the series. But at least right now, you know, 23 pages in, we're given the impression that being thin is in.
2: Gross
1: yeah, let me see that. Anyway, um, um, we find out that Pearl is seventeen. This, we so much information. So we find out Pearl is seventeen. We find yeah. out that all of Cinder's income goes directly to Audrey. She doesn't get to touch it at all. We find out that Audrey will s- thinks ICO is a toy. And that, legally speaking, Cinder belongs to Audrey. She is her property. So she's she's still allowed to be someone's property.
2: Okay, because, so she's a cyborg. So she has, like, some bionic parts. But she is still mostly human. I mean, she started out human. And then got these cyborg parts. And yet she can be property. That just so much of this these and chapters. It's interesting
1: that we're told that she's property because we also learn in these chapters that she's quote adopted. She refers to these people as her her stepmother, her stepfather, her stepsisters. So we're not given the indication that they're her her masters, for example. It's almost like she's a pet. A pet who works hard? <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. Well, like one of those showbiz dogs that like supports their whole family, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because is it a facade?
1: <sighs> Do we think that the word adoption is merely more acceptable than the word purchase, and so we adopted her? oh. <sighs> I don't know. It's so depressing. It is depressing. We can uh, move on It's depressing, but it it is something we should make note of. She's a yes. property. Of Audrey. She belongs to her.
2: Absolutely. And they threatened to sell her. Yeah, they're for gonna sell
1: her So how much of her is cyborg that you can sell her for parts? Do we assume that when you sell her for parts, there's still enough left of her to be a whole human, to be alive? Do we assume that selling her for parts essentially means killing her because those parts
2: are keeping
1: her alive? Yeah, we don't
2: know yet, right? So we know a foot, a hand, something in her eyes. And her ears. And her ears. So... You can live without a foot, a hand, or eyes or ears. Yes. Your quality of life is not going to be great. But you can uh, live. But you can live. But, yeah, we don't know. Does she have a bionic heart? Does she have cyborg lungs? Is her spine human her or steel?
1: Are there neuron receptors that rely on the this computer in her brain to breathe, to feel, to eat? I mean... Mm-hmm. It's we don't I know just, yet. We don't know any of that, but we know that it's a threat and not an empty one. Because Iko gets scared. She hides behind cinders. Soon as as soon as Audrey says that, she hides.
2: She's fearful. Ico <sighs> and her emotions, I just love. And again, just, she's a human,
1: trapped in an android's body.
2: She is. Oh I love her. Um Anyway, so there's that. Um, and Audrey
1: says that if Cinder can fix the hover with the mag belt, she gets to go to the ball.
2: Yes. So apparently the hover is their transportation. It's like their car. Mm-hmm. Um, now we see the light again.
1: The so orange light corner. is
2: not telling the truth. Now, Ico doesn't know that. Ico thinks it's true. Um,
1: But Cinder is not fooled. Her computer lets her know that Audrey is not sincere. Cinder ain't going to no ball.
2: Yeah. And so we're in their apartment. We have the seamstress. We're threatening to sell people off for parts. We're lying about going to the ball. And then again, um, the TV interrupts us. Yes. So we have another interruption.
1: With a lot of information.
2: We learn so much right now.
1: And not all of it is from the TV. Some of it is just from Cinder's inner monologue. In, yes. in between skits of the TV. Yes. Um, so should we separate those two? Should we talk about what we learn from the TV and then all the stuff we learn from Cinder's monologue?
2: Perfect, yes. Okay. Prince Kai comes on the TV. Yes. And
1: a press conference.
2: And they have like this automated home where Pearl can just say volume on to unmute the TV. So that is. And it also sounds permanent. like she's
1: saying it irritated, right? Because it says batting the seamstress away. Volume on, you know? Yeah, yeah well, Prince Kai's up.
2: You know, we gotta listen to him. To see what Um,
1: the handsome prince is talking about,
2: yeah. So he's saying that Chris Kai is saying that they are researching to find a vaccine for letamosis. Um, and we find out that the disease has taken one of his parents and threatens to take the other. Mm -hmm. Um, so this kind of explains why. In the last chapter, if we remember, um, when Cinder's bionic computer thingy automatically pulled up Kai's Wikipedia page, and it said he was going to be hosting a press conference, and I said, like, oh, why is he doing that? Because he's not the emperor yet. Well, now we know. Um, Well, also,
1: we talked about, I can't remember if we talked about it before or not, but... Um, to keep in mind, he shouldn't be giving a press conference. He should have um, staff, he should have public speaking staff that represent him, that give announcements on his behalf. So that tells us the severity of the ledimosis issue that the crown prince is actually the one out there reassuring the people, not a representative of the royal family.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because definitely most like we think like White House communications, you know, normally it's like Sarah Sanders. Um, that but every once in a while
1: the press comes out and says stuff. So
2: yeah, um, yeah, so they'll they have spokespeople. They they give the updates, but when something big happens, you know, you'll have the president in the Oval Office addressing the nation. Can we interrupt right. this broadcast. And it and it seems like that's new.
1: what this is doing too so um yeah so he's he's talking about um how they says so no longer we can, can we claim this disease is re, re, relegated to the poor rural communities of our country uh-huh so it was originally thought to be isolated.
2: It definitely seems to be, and there's definitely um, some echoes uh, to me of, like, the AIDS epidemic here, yeah. um, where originally many people thought that only certain populations were susceptible. Well, um, um, if, you,
1: if you remember correctly, it wasn't even called AIDS in the beginning. In the beginning, it was called GRID, Gay okay. Related Immune Deficiency, because that is how sure they were, that it was just isolated to the gay community.
2: Right. Yeah. So there are actually
1: quite a few parallels here to AIDS, because we also find out it originates in Africa.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is definitely another similarity. Um, And we find out that it has now surfaced in hundreds of Seemingly unconnected communities throughout the world. So this is a worldwide epidemic. Hundreds of thousands of people have contracted this disease and died. And we and find his husband. Yeah,
1: she con he contracted it on a trip to Europe when he was adopting Cinder. So there we get the word guardian of an 11-year-old cyborg. So now we find out she was 11 when she was adopted Mm -hmm. and that she originally came from Europe. And of course, this is
2: heartbreaking.
1: At least she was adopted in Europe.
2: Yes. And and we find out that her, basically her only memory of this man is him being taken to the quarantine.
1: And Audrey (sighs) complaining that he can't leave her with and it's in italics. This thing. Yep. Thing she was not happy about this adoption, and it sounds like she wasn't given any say in the
2: matter. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not great. There's a lot of kind of heartbreaking stuff to me. Yeah, Um, I mean, we
1: find out that there were awards and prizes for him, that he was um, a technology inventor, um, Mm -hmm. and that it says whatever it was hadn't taken off because he left his family almost no money when he died. So we're given this impression that he's sort of a failed inventor. Yeah,
2: and so I definitely picture him like Belle's dad in Beauty and the Beast.
1: Yeah, it's oh not yeah.
2: necessary.
1: I I would say I picture due to the circumstances. I would picture a much younger yes. person. You know, perhaps the um was it was it Chris Klein that p- played him in the modern adaptation with Emma Watson. I would picture maybe him.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see that one yet. Um, um, but I definitely I cried. You should watch it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I but I definitely. I've seen it five times, and all five times I've
1: cried.
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, but I'm picturing him, but, yeah, younger and less bumbling, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but then this is right where we find out, though, Prince, the Prince Kai is on the screen. Someone hands him a note, and the screen cuts out. So something big has just happened. And it then cuts to a newsroom um, where they report that the emperor, so Kai's father, so his mother, now we find out, has passed away from Lenimosis. His yes. father, we find out, Emperor Rykin, has just entered the third stage of Lenimosis.
1: So we know there's stages. How many do we think there are? I'm
2: guessing four because the third sounds like a very big deal. And just there's four stages of cancer. So I figure there's four stages of any.
1: You can't have too many stages, right? Because, you know, if there's, if there's, for example, 15 stages, then Mm -hmm. it almost wouldn't even be severe until you got to 10 or 11. So I agree. Mm -hmm. I think it's probably four.
2: It is very dramatic that they seem to be informing Kai. On TV. On TV while he is doing a live broadcast that his father's disease has progressed.
1: Which, so yay that they didn't wait until he was done and then pull him aside. But it's also, it's quite dramatic to you know cut to a black to hand him a note cut to a black screen and then this news anchor is on the um, television Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and also like so the news anchor already knows what's happening so how many people knew before kai knew well
1: how how long do we think that it's been between this note do we think that while someone was handing Kaya notes, someone else was relaying a message to the news team saying, hey, we're going to cut back to you. This is why. Because it doesn't seem like she was unprepared when the screen went back to her. Like she was, you know, offset or looking at her notes or something. She seems ready to talk. So, Right. Yeah. It's, the is definitely interesting. It it We have to assume it happens somewhat simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and we have this
2: seamstress gasping. Um, Everyone seems to be really upset. Everybody likes this guy. Yeah, they really they really do. Um Cinder's beaten herself up for not giving her condolences to Kai when she met him.
1: Long live um, the Emperor, the the um anchor, her voice gets kind of It says warbled, but that makes me think that, you know, Mm -hmm. she's kind of cracking up a little bit in her voice. The seamstress Mm -hmm. echoes the words, long live the emperor back. And so to me, this makes me think of like FDR. Mm -hmm. Because I
2: don't know a lot about. So tell us, tell us about FDR.
1: I'm by no means an expert. um, But FDR was perhaps the most popular president um, in American history, if only by numbers. Um, he was elected so many times that now the rules have changed and you can only be elected twice in a row. He was so popular that people had portraits of him hanging in their homes that people knew that his dog's name was Fala. So much so that during World War II, uh, American soldiers would use the president's dog name as a code to prove that they weren't German spies because only they would know what the president's dog name was. So, I mean, obviously, he wasn't perfect. We could talk about some of the mistakes he made, but definitely better than some that have come after him. Um, But but it it makes Hmm. me have a similar um, affection, one that has definitely not been replicated in my lifetime. I know that I'm still relatively young, um, but I have not had any experiences where there has been overall love for a president. There's always somebody complaining about something, and it's usually a very large population of that somebody. So Uh it's very interesting how supportive and there's just, there seems to be a lot of admiration for this emperor and a lot of respect and not a lot of complaints, despite the fact that we've already seen there's several inequalities, despite the fact that we know Cinder and other cyborgs are somewhat discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that there's a huge outbreak of this disease that's literally spreading the world, he still seems to be in high favor.
2: He does. Yeah. Um, so much so that Pearl even says that uh, that Cinder should uh, volunteer herself to go be a guinea pig. On the draft. Yeah, let's find a cure. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah, so... So here's what we learned about this draft, this cyborg draft. Yeah. Do you have it pulled up? Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, so this is crazy. So she she tells Cinder that she could volunteer. So the cyborg draft has been had been started by some Royal Research team a year ago. So it's only been around for a year. But it, it's much like the um, the draft for the Armed Forces during like Vietnam. Um, every morning a new ID number was drawn from the pool of so many thousand cyborgs who resided in the Eastern Commonwealth. So this is not just New Beijing. This is all of the Eastern Commonwealth. Also Mumbai and Singapore uh, yes, from Mumbai and Singapore. So we have India and we have Singapore that are all part of the Eastern Commonwealth. So- which Singapore
1: isn't necessarily large. It's, it's actually a city state, which means it's an entire country in just one city. Um, but it is a very, at least in current society, it's a port city. It's busy, it's hustle, it's bustle. It's very popular. It's a stopping point for almost any trade in the Eastern seaboard. So it's interesting that they would even have jurisdiction in Singapore and Mumbai. Yeah,
2: so I'm guessing that this Eastern Commonwealth, I mean, it stretches pretty far. And and I'm, guess, I'm guessing that it's probably all of what is now currently Asia. It seems like it. It does, yeah, it stretches all the way from India to Singapore and New Beijing. So we've got China in the mix. I would assume, I guess, that probably, like, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, um, you know, Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, all of that would be most likely a part of this as well.
1: I agree. Uh,
2: It uh, seems like
1: it's a very vast empire.
2: Yeah, it's a big empire. Uh, And they're drafting these cyborgs for antidote testing. They try and spin it, that it's an honor, um, because you're giving your life for the good of humanity. Um, But then it, it says, it was really just a reminder that cyborgs were not like everyone else. And here's where we find out, I think, something pretty important about cyborgs. Many of them have been given a second chance at life by the generous hands of scientists, and therefore owed their very existence to those who had created them. They were lucky to have lived this long, many thought. It's only right they should be the first to give up their lives in search for the cure. There is a so, lot
1: on in that paragraph.
2: Oh my goodness, yes. So,
1: so cyborgs uh, are not... Cyborgs are human. Yes. They are human who have been in some sort of medical accident or catastrophe that has damaged parts of their body, and to fix those parts of the body, it says scientists, not healers, not doctors. Scientists found ways for them to continue their existence and created them. That's in actual Uh quotes, who had created them. That's a very specific word not who had enhanced them, not who had saved them, not who had rescued them, who had mm-hmm. created them. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, especially with it using the word created, it's it's as if they ceased being human altogether and were created. Into a, a, cyborg. a cyborg. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it doesn't talk about healing. It doesn't talk about saving yeah it's it's
1: created yeah and again like and those are the two words I think that stand out the most it says scientist it doesn't say doctor it doesn't say healer it doesn't say surgeon it doesn't say anything about medicine it says scientist and then created it doesn't say saved it doesn't say healed it doesn't say rescued it doesn't say anything about medical advancements or marvels it says Created. I think those are the two words that really separate cyborgs from humans, at least in absolutely. this society.
2: Yes, absolutely. I
1: agree. Um, and then to go on to the other half of this spectrum that we were talking about, um, this is not the Cinderella I grew up with. Oh, no. <laughs> no. And Cinderella, as she has been portrayed in my lifetime, Is usually like meek and kind of killing them with kindness. And Pearl says that she's gonna send. Let's uh, let's volunteer Cinder for the draft. And Cinder is very quick to advocate for herself. Oh yeah. And then you could get a job to pay for your pretty dresses. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah. She's definitely at backs. Yes, girl. Yes. Yeah, I'm liking the sass on Cinder. I'm liking the telling her that she would have to get a job um, because we find out we find out just like a page later um, more about um, it says Audrey would never volunteer Cinder for the testing because that would be the end of her only income so So Cinder no Cinder is the only
1: income and has she been doing this since she was adopted at age 11?
2: We don't know, but I would assume, I guess, that she has been doing it at least as long as she was capable. Um, yeah, because it says that, you know, her stepfather did not leave them any money. Um, and it certainly does not seem that Audrey has ever worked, ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um,
1: and then, so here's where we get kind of our first introduction to peony really Yes. Wow. peony says we can't volunteer cinder i need her to fix my port screen so previously we're given the impression that cinder is quite fond of peony and that they actually do have an affectionate relationship this doesn't really sound very affectionate to me. I need her to fix my port screen, not I can't live without her, not please don't hurt her, not don't take away my sister. What are yeah. what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I wonder how much of this is that Cinder is just such an other, um and and not really seen as a human. And then I wonder how much of it is the peony just not feel comfortable, you know, admitting that she cares at all about Cinder in front of Pearl and Audrey. Right. Who clearly don't care. Right. Um, yeah.
1: Because she doesn't want to separate herself, in that, at least in that moment.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a small family. Um. You don't want to isolate yourself in any way when family's involved and you know they're what you have um it's a tough situation so it's hard to say um but I would think that probably at least a good chunk of it is probably the peony saving face and not I think so too yeah um
1: so then we, we're ending this chapter with um, every time one of the draft's victims was a teenage girl, Cinder imagined a clock ticking inside her head. And we find out that there is a drawing every day. Every single day. Like, so every day she has to wake up wondering, is it my name that's going to get drawn? Is this my last day? Or do I get to go work at the marketplace more? These don't seem to be very, these are very bleak aspects out of her life that she has to wake up to every day. She either gets it to is, go to the yeah. craft or go to the market.
2: And and now, see, this reminds me of like the Hunger Games when they had to go and see, you know, who was going to be sent to the game. That was that was one day out of the year. This is we. Why Cinder's dealing with this? I just can't imagine and waking up. Drafts and reapings and
1: what the original concept of the lottery was, um, they're not new. These have been in societies for hundreds of thousands of years, all the way back to um, there's cases in the, there's evidence in the Roman society that they used to have what was called a lottery. And if your uh, if your name was drawn, you were sacrificed for the better of the country. And that's not new. That's something you can see that in um, in American Indian uh, societies and cultures. You can see it in history throughout the Salem witch trials. There was a lot of that going on. So the draft isn't necessarily a new concept, but it is kind of primitive to what we've been exposed to in in the United States, at least, in the last... I mean, yes, there have been military drafts, but mm-hmm. not necessarily something that is guaranteeing death.
2: Right. Yeah, but and it, it definitely... like they're
1: getting out of this alive.
2: Yeah, it definitely sounds like every single cyborg that has been drafted has died. And it also
1: says the reason that... Um, Pearl wants Cinder to go is because the family gets reimbursed if you volunteer a cyborg. Uh huh. So they're not just drafting people; they're offering people money if they'll come in, if they'll die. Yeah. We'll pay you to die. In the name of humanity, in the name of science, in the name of medical research, we'll pay you to die.
2: So much of this is so depressing. Can we just talk more about Sticky Bun?
1: there's a lot of like light and laughter and and heartedness throughout the entire series but yeah there's some there are some really problematic parts of these worlds that we're getting into but that is the end of chapter um
2: two do you want to pick your quote for this chapter absolutely because that means we get to talk about sticky buns because i'm sorry i love iko i love her so much and uh, she's all those sticky buns Iko said as they passed a close-up shot of the blackened blue. Oh, all those sticky buns burnt to a crisp. I, I just love her. I'm yeah. sorry. I love Iko. She is one
1: yeah. of my favorite characters. And again, like I said, this is one of those moments where you kind of forget that she's an android for a second.
2: Yeah, yeah. She's just cute. <laughs> So, so what's yours?
1: Uh, it's not cute. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to always pick a more serious one. Um, So my quote is bottom of page 29, that very last sentence of chapter two. Every time one of the draft's victims was a teenage girl, Cinder imagined a clock ticking inside her head. It's just a very poetic dun-dun-dun. I do you know, love baby. the imagery. Yeah, we get this sheer sense of doom, and even just from that one sentence, even just the second half of that, she imagined a clock ticking inside her head, we get the impression of what her life is really like on a daily basis just from that one sentence.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Her life is complex. Yeah. It is. It is. So chapter so, three? Chapter three. You I want to talk about it? I want to talk about Aiko because we come into chapter 3 and Aiko's so excited because Aiko thinks, Aiko doesn't have the orange light. Aiko thinks that Cinder can go to the ball. And And again, she's she's not acting like an android. No, not at all. No, she's acting adorable. She's this like teenage girl in an android body. And I love talking her. And about, Cinder just seems annoyed.
1: She's talking about think about the food. Think about Kai. You could dance with Prince Kai. Oh, uh, we can, I want to go shopping to this one store. Like, very giddy, very girly, very what you would expect Cinder to act like if she was a 16-year-old girl going to the ball. Um, yes. And you know, like you said, Cinder just seems irritated. She
2: does, yeah. Yeah, she's just like, just bring the light over here. And, yeah. And just you know, um, I hate to break it to you, I go, but I'm not going to the ball. And then I go, is just like, I do not compute. Yeah. <laughs> this is just so cute because we get this little android glimpse, you know, like she is an android for a second. She's like, I don't compute. Like, <laughs> it's just, oh. Uh, but not for um, long. No, no, not for long. No. Um, and, and here we get just Cinder being... So not the typical teenage girl for a minute because instead of buying a dress and shoes and gloves, she wants a set of wrenches. She wants a toolbox with drawers that don't stick, Um, you know, and then a, a down payment on her own apartment, which apparently Audrey would have to sign off on. Like we talked about
1: last uh, a few pages ago, we weren't given any indication that she had a bedroom. We're in chapter three, and we're given the impression that right after this conversation with her, quote, family, she went back to her workspace. So is this more of a clue that that's her living quarters as well? Possibly.
2: Yeah, we don't know, but, but that's a definite possibility. She does seem to spend a lot of time there.
1: Um, or maybe she doesn't need sleep. She's a cyborg. She's half. Maybe we're not told that she needs sleep, not yet, anyways. So maybe she doesn't need to sleep. So why would she have a bed? Perhaps. Yeah, that is interesting. I, mean, I know the very first sentence of the whole story tells us that her first paragraph tells us that she's capable of getting exhausted and tired and fatigued. But
2: true. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Um, But here, too, is where we find out that skin grafting is apparently an option.
1: And that's what she desires the most. She wants to cover up. She doesn't want How nice would it be not to wear gloves in August?
2: I mean, yeah, it would be. um, Apparently, of course, it's quite expensive. Um, But I love, again, I love Ico. Because, um, because Cinder says maybe I'd get skin grafting. Iko says your skin is fine. And then Cinder glanced at Iiko from the corner of her eye. Oh, you mean your cyborg part. Aiko is just like she's so simple, a little bit, and just oh, I just love that part.
1: Um, she's very um, joey. Yeah. So- where he just need you just need an extra second sometimes. It's a moot point. It's a, oh, that's one of my favorite lines of that whole series. I love it. Every time someone yeah. says moot that I repeat that whole scene in my head. Same. Yeah. Same. So if
0: anyone's yeah. curious,
1: go watch season eight. Season seven of Friends. It's the Thanksgiving episode. It's hilarious. Joey explains moot point.
2: It's a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter
1: have I been living with him too long or did that all just make sense?
2: <laughs> it does make sense. It does. It, uh-huh. it makes total
1: sense to me. So that was um friend's, friend's interruption. Anyways, back to Ico wanting to go shopping.
2: It, I'm sorry. Is this going to become a recurring segment where we, um, where we have our friend interruption? That's fine.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's okay. On Netflix. I'm sure people have seen it.
2: <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. Um, Anyway, so um let's see here. They are ah, Cinder's a little sad here about a not All
0: though, Yeah. We,
2: yeah. We get, really,
1: whole, we get this whole image in her head. She's trying to talk herself out of, well, I wouldn't fit in at the ball anyways. But then she, she kind of does picture herself dressing a certain way, acting a certain way. Yeah. We get a little bit of a description here. Her mousy hair would never hold a curl. Yeah. She didn't know the first thing about makeup. Um, and then she talks about, she, she talks, I almost want to read this whole paragraph. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. She wouldn't fit in at a formal ball anyway. Even if she did find dress gloves and slippers that could hide her metal monstrosities, her mousy hair would never hold a curl, and she didn't know the first thing about makeup. She would just end up sitting off the dance floor and making fun of the girls who swooned to get Prince Kai's attention, pretending she wasn't jealous, pretending it didn't bother her. Although she was curious about the food. So we get this whole emotional <laughs> paragraph. It, like, yeah, that food probably would be delicious.
2: Right. Yeah, But pretending yeah. she wasn't
1: jealous, pretending it didn't bother her. Yeah.
2: Which isn't that almost always what we're doing when we're sitting off to the side making fun of people. Or mm-hmm. pretending that we're not jealous.
1: Playing it cool. Yeah. Ugh. Playing it cool playing it cool and then she talks about well the prince was nice to her at the market maybe he would dance
2: out of politeness
1: out of chivalry yeah and then immediately it's a it's an impossible fantasy I'm not gonna think about it
2: Mm mm-hmm yeah um so she was cyborg and she would never go to the ball yeah And then we find out
1: um, a little bit more of her appearance, finally, on top of page 34. Oh, yes. Okay. So, at 14, Peony had already developed curves that Cinder couldn't begin to hope for. Mm -hmm. If Cinder's body had ever been predisposed to femininity, it had been ruined by whatever the surgeons had done to her, leaving her with a stick-straight figure, too angular, too boyish, Too awkward with her heavy, hard, artificial leg. So now she says surgeons.
2: Yes, she does. And also, this makes me wonder. um, So she was 11.
1: Yes. And already
2: a cyborg. So, um, in addition to the legs, the hands, the eyes, something apparently must have been done to her that stunted. Puberty from happening in some way. It seems. I agree. Yeah,
1: so she's definitely disposed to femininity. Uh-huh. That gives the appearance that certain that she almost seems very tomboyish. She does. Yes. You know, I mean, thin, the thing, and yeah, thin, angular. Um, it says stick straight figure, so we're given the impressions that there's no curves. She doesn't got bust, hips, booty, none yeah. of it. Yeah,
2: so she's thin, um, but not in a shapely way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we
1: find out. So here we find out that Peony is fourteen. Yes. Yes, Peony is fourteen.
2: Sorry, excuse me. Um, and we did find out that Cinder is sixteen. Yes, I don't remember
1: if we pointed it out or not, but we find out I, that
2: Cinder, uh, Cinder is sixteen. Yes, I don't believe that we pointed it out, but we found out that Poe was seventeen. Cinder is one year younger, so Cinder yes. is 16, Peony is 14, and they are going to the junkyard to look for a mag belt.
1: Yeah, Peony comes down to the basement to talk to her sister. This seems yes. more like, this. I have sisters. This is how sisters talk. Ugh, I'm a horrible right? right? mom. She is making me loony. Girl, <laughs> husband. My daughters are such a drain. No one appreciates what I do for them. Oh, that is such a yeah. sister. Conversation.
2: Okay, and also can we just talk for one second about Audrey complaining that they're a drain on her? Yeah, what that girl do She doesn't work. <laughs> they're a drain on Cinder, not on
1: Audrey. The only oh. drain they could possibly this again, this is a Mrs. Bennett thing, like, oh my nerves. what
2: <laughs> oh, an emotional drain because they don't have husbands. Yes, they need her she needs oh. to get them a husband. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, and then we have Peeny sticking her tongue out at Cinder. Uh, yeah, these are sisters. These are sisters. They're sisters. So when they're not around Audrey and Pearl, they're sisters.
1: Yeah, and she even says she should have made a dress for you. It's not fair. She really wanted Cinder to go to the ball. Absolutely. Yeah, she really does. Um, and we also find out that. Um, Peony does go to school. Yes. We're not given yes. the impression that Cinder does, but Peony does go to school. So do we think that she doesn't go to school because she's working or possibly they get out of school at a younger age or maybe she didn't go to school at all. She was educated until she was 11 and then they tossed her into the workforce as this, you know, cyborg income.
2: Yeah, uh, Perhaps, yeah. Um... Yeah, we're, we're not sure. Um, I do love, though, they're talking about fixing Teeny's port screen. And she, she's basically, Cinder's basically teasing her about, have you been downloading those stupid celeb apps again? So I'm picturing Peeny like, playing, like, the Kim Kardashian dress-up game. Yes, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Which, why do I even know that that exists? I, I don't it
1: know exist because I remember people sharing photos on Instagram and Facebook um, I just to give a little if if it wasn't clear enough that I'm a librarian the only game I
2: have on my phone is Scrabble and okay, I so, play it all the time I have a crossword puzzle app and then I have one of those logic puzzle apps you know um, like Joe and Sam and Seth each have a pet and one of the pets is a dog but the dog is not five years old you know those things yeah, where like, yeah. you have to figure out like whose thing is what yeah what i won't do those years.
1: but i play scrabble that's the only game i have on my phone so i yeah. i don't have much but i i did used to have i used many years ago um when harry potter was still releasing books you could download countdown apps um, and that's all it was. It was a countdown app and it would, it would give you a reminder on your calendar every day, this many days until the next book.
2: It just boggles my mind that at the time the Potter books were still coming out, you already had a smartphone.
1: It was not a smartphone. This was a like calendar feature on a Verizon flip phone.
2: Huh. Cause if you remember. My phone was not that fancy at the time.
1: So Verizon flip phones, when the last Harry Potter book came out, I was 18. Um, oh, my God. I might have been uh, 17. I was I'm one here. of those, two, And I had a cell phone. I bought it myself with my job and my money. Um, and you could download, like, games and stuff, but the games were, like, bowling or snake um, or asteroid. Asteroid.
2: Oh, sure. I have a snake on my calculator in high school, (laughs) on my TI-83.
1: I have a TI-30 for school right now. Oh, my
2: goodness. Um. (laughs) Stephanie just pulled out her calculator. She's so cute. Well, I'm at my desk, and
1: I take, like, 37 classes at a time. So, you know, (laughs) which I just got my grades back for last semester. And I got Ah. all A's again, and I was – Super nervous because I'm I'm so I want that 4.0 when I graduate. I'm so frustrated every time I don't get close to it, but I'm right now I'm still there, so we'll see.
2: I think the last time I had straight A's was eighth grade. Well, like, oh, this is very on brand
1: for me. I've always been like uh, a, a I've always tried to get nothing but straight A's.
2: Whereas I like, if I tried, I probably could have, but I was much of a stuck up like this is all beneath me kind of person. (laughs) That's terrible. I was like, no, I'm not doing the homework just because you said to do the homework. Like Yeah.
1: And my parents weren't even that strict about grades. My parents were like, just pass and we'll call it good. Um but yeah, for whatever reason it's always been really important to me to do well in school.
2: I think my parents were more like, if you're not getting an A then you're failing. Um, But I was more like, I would rather like just go chat on AOL Instant Messenger than ever do my homework.
1: Yeah, my parents were, I mean, unless it was like a bad grade or your report card had like a negative note, like talks in class or doesn't do homework or late assignments or something. Mm -hmm. My parents were were pretty chill. They just wanted us to pass. So
2: I think every report card I ever got had that note about talking too much in class.
1: I used to get in trouble for reading in class. About They would tell you at the end of class, like, okay, you have time to do homework. And I would read a book (laughs) instead of doing homework. And usually it was because I had already done the homework. So I would read a book. Yeah. So I, I got in trouble for that a few times. Like, well, then you should work on homework for another class. It's like, I'm reading my book.
2: It was all done. Like, what do you mean homework for another class? You did all of it. This
1: this particular class that I'm in right now is called an intersession course. And it's an entire semester in 16 days. Mm-hmm. And it ends on Friday. Mm-hmm. I'm done.
2: Of course you
1: are. They gave us a sil- She gave us a syllabus and I'm done. I finished it all today. are.
2: <laughs> because you're Hermione and you read the yes. entire textbook before the term even starts yes okay <laughs> it's getting late we should probably get on track <laughs> yeah for anyone listening it's 1230 in the morning good golly Crack um yeah. that guy? um normally my bedtime is like 1030 as soon as I get the kids down so Yeah. It's no, it,
1: it depends on my school schedule but um, so, we find um, out Peony needs Cinder to fix her her port screen. Wow. Yeah. We get a really sad sentence that Cinder is jealous of her sisters, yeah. how Audrey doted on them, how soft their hands were, especially when Peony was the only human friend she had. This automatic, like, I think of... She was eleven when she was adopted. So I yeah. started to think about all the things you need a mom for between the ages of eleven and sixteen. So much. Like at eleven you could still have bad dreams. Yeah. We don't know what her life was like before she was adopted. Is it possible that during the transition she had a lot of bad dreams? Um puberty's pretty rough when you're young. Was there anybody yeah. that to her about that to help her deal with that?
2: Right. What about and,
1: her first bra like there's just so many elements that go on between the ages of 11 and 16 that you really need a mom for well
2: and also with this cyborg thing um basically we've just found out that cyborgs are quote created um to save their life right so she has been through something major she has been through some sort of trauma trauma yes so I mean she could be dealing with like some PTSD type stuff mm-hmm. and she immediately loses her brand new adoptive father um, so her original parents we don't know um, who seems
1: to be the only one that wanted her was this father too and now he's gone
2: and she has no one and, and so that- she adopted at age 11 her only friends now that we know of are Iko and Peony. Now Peony when Cinder was eleven, Peony would have been nine years old. I mean she's a nine year old is not going to be capable of emotional support in the I mean, way that
1: So, like I said, I have three sisters and yeah. my youngest sister is 20, she'll be 23 this year. And my older sister, I'm, I might be wrong on ages. My oldest sister, Ivy just turned 31, I believe. Um, so there's a pretty big age gap in between some of us. Um, but there were definitely times when even I only being two years younger than Ivy wasn't capable of understanding the emotions that she was going through.
2: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I I also have a sister two years older, um, and then another six years older. And definitely, there was a lot growing up that I just didn't get. And I I wouldn't say that I, being the younger sister, have ever been able to really be emotionally, like, there, you know, for a sister. Um, It's only...
1: I have been emotionally there for my older sister um, because she's gay and I was the first person she came out to, but Uh, we were in our twenties. I was uh, not not supportive of her. So it's possible that Peony was a nice, you know, shoulder to cry on, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume it by any means.
2: No, definitely not. And, and yeah, I mean, now like my sister, like, I'm in. We're in our 30s. The older ones in our 40s. It, you know, it's different now. But like, definitely at the age of 16 and 14, there was not. There was not a lot of supportive motherly wisdom coming out of me. That's for sure.
1: Right. Uh, and and all
2: alone.
1: She does have a screen in her head so I suppose you know we're given the impression that she can sort of google search so I suppose Uh, anything that she's going through and it looks like her her brain does it automatically from the experience we had with Kai it looks like it automatically starts doing things sometimes so I assume you know when she is going through certain things like puberty or needing a bra for the first time or something like that she can google it But it's really not the same as having a
2: motherly figure. Right. Yeah, definitely not. Um, It's that jealousy that
1: makes me, that makes me so sad.
0: Yeah.
1: Just the fact, like soft hands, I get it. She works hard, but she was jealous of how Audrey doted on them. And that's, that says a lot.
2: Yeah, it does. It really does. I um, and and I'm sorry, we almost skipped this part, but right after they're getting teased about the celebrity app, um, Peony pulls out this velvet ribbon leftover trim from the celebrity
1: app is after jealousy. Peony yeah, Cinder talks about being jealous at the top of page thirty-five, and then a paragraph down from that is when she asks about the celebrity apps.
2: Okay. Yeah. And then right below that though, this is where Peony pulls out this velvet ribbon and gives it to Iko. As a bracelet.
1: As a bracelet. It's so cute. I she obviously it. cares very deeply for both Cinder. She obviously has an affection for both Cinder and Iko.
2: She really does, and it's a little—I don't know that I would necessarily call it problematic, but I, I worry a little bit because the way that she treats Aiko and the way that she treats Cinder is so similar, and yet Aiko is a droid, and Cinder is kind of a human, or what a human, or is a human.
1: So, do we think that the affection is the same that I all don't of those? Know. That although she feels an affection for Cinder, she also feels that same affection for Ico because it does seem similar. I agree with you there.
2: It does, and it almost seems like a pet a little bit. Yeah. Both of them. I uh, could that. Yeah. So, yeah, these relationships, they're just, they're interesting. I guess.
1: They are. They are. They are. Yeah. And then, and then um, Aiko is practicing her sarcasm. Oh, so adorable. I love she her. Human. She's human trapped in an android body. She
2: is, um, yes. They're talking about going to the junkyard, and Aiko says, it's going to be a bundle of fun.
1: Yup. <laughs> <laughs> and it says that she's scanning the makeshift bracelet with her sensor. So I'm kind of picturing her, like, holding her wrist out and rotating it and just kind of yeah.
2: firing her bracelet. Like, you know, when you first got engaged and you just, like, stare at your ring constantly. Or a new manicure or something, yeah. Sure, yeah. She's admiring this bracelet ribbon.
1: It's
0: cute.
2: I love Iko's sarcasm. She's adorable. Um, So, Peony wants to come along to the junkyard, um, which is good because Cinder has a story for her. She sure does. She definitely
1: does. And that's where we leave off. Which is very exciting because we know what that story is. We do. It's ah. very exciting that we get to we get to be a part of that little moment where she talks about bringing her into the story. I
2: love it. I love it so, what so much. What was your What was your quote for this chapter? Oh, just go saying, "I have a fantastic imagination."
1: She does have a fantastic imagination. I love her imagination. She, exactly, she does. She's just, mm, she's the best. The best. Yes. What was yours? Mine, Um, she was cyborg, and she would never go to the ball. Ugh. I know, I always pick these heart-wrenching ones. Sorry, I'll try to come up with something happy. No,
2: no don't, no, because you are who you are, and you love what you love. I do. It's perfect. It's perfect. Um. So those are the chapters this time. Yes. Um, uh, so we have a segment. Yes, we have a new segment to
1: introduce, which was your idea. So I'll let you introduce Yay! it. So we have Bethany's egg
2: hunt. Um, so we're going egg hunting. Um, uh, so I am unspoiled. Yes. Uh, I technically have read Cinder. I have read Heart of Scarlet. Um, but I had twins. My brain stopped working. I remember so little. <laughs> uh, and I have not read the entire rest of the series. Bethany has. I have so multiple times. <laughs> yes, Bethany is our super fan. She is the expert, and she is going on a hunt for the Easter egg. Yes. So, Bethany, how does this segment work? So, in Easter egg,
1: if you've read these books multiple times, you will notice that just like in Harry Potter. Uh, there are tiny little clues. Some are very significant. Some are just kind of cute. Um, but they are little tiny Easter eggs that pop up later on in this book and in the rest of the series. So for these two chapters, there is one.
2: Okay. There's so one Easter egg total. One Easter from egg. If you Shopper. become
1: a Patreon member, you can um, see what that Easter egg is.
2: So there will be discussion on there
1: eventually. Yes. The Patreon Uh, should be up by uh, the end of June. And one of the, um, we're talking about making one of the rewards, uh, Bethany's Easter egg hunt. So you'll be able to chat with me. We'll have an open um, chat box between us and other Patreon members. And we can talk about all the Easter eggs and maybe I missed one and people can point
2: it out to me perhaps yeah so you guys would be able to talk about that there i can stay out of it and stay unspoiled Yeah, spoiler free is very important (laughs) yes so watch for that it's very exciting
1: yes Um, and um so next week we are reading chapters four and five
2: yes and so read those and we will talk about them next week in the meantime um be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are at Prince Kai Fan Pod. You can email us, Prince Kai Fan Pod at gmail.com. And please, pretty please, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. Um, if you leave us a review, we will read it on the show. We will give you the shout-out. Oh, and yes, so
1: grateful. Remember that if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, you will get an instant download whenever we post a new episode. So you won't even have to go searching for us.
2: Ooh, okay. Yes. So, my iPod is not that high tech, so I don't know these. IPod, I, I have an iPod four, so I'm not very high tech. Oh, okay, yeah, I have the fourth gen also, and um, I have to physically plug it into my computer to make anything happen. Oh no, don't have that. I don't have that
1: problem, but
2: oh, okay, I do. Um, yeah, I have to plug it in, and it won't. Um, it'll no longer update. Well,
1: I should specify that I have the iPhone.
2: Oh, okay, mine's an iPod. Yes, so there is a
1: difference there okay but so, review and subscribe on itunes and if you subscribe it will immediately download as soon as we post an episode yes.
2: um, and you should be able to find us on your podcatcher of choice if you have any trouble please let us know um yes because yes, we want to know um we want to know how you're finding us and and if you had any trouble finding us let us know so that we can look into it and get it fixed um because we want to make it as easy as possible I was able to pull us up easy peasy on podcast addict which is what I use uh, and then of course we are on apple podcast now soundcloud uh and I then everywhere I will leave
1: links to the new episode um as soon as they're posted Monday morning I'll put a link to it on our Instagram so you'll be able to find it really quickly and um If you would like us to share your favorite quote from the chapters, you can email it to us at PrinceKaiFamPod at gmail.com. And we will be happy to read it on our next episode.
2: Absolutely.
1: Write us a review on iTunes. We will also read it on our episode and give you a shout out on our Instagram. Yeah. So. So. Yeah.
2: Next time, chapters four and five. Yes, there's a lot going on. Make sure you're ready. So what is is happening. We're going to the junkyard, and we yeah. will see you next week. We will. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. The passages read for you
1: today are from Cinder by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Rebecca Baker. Thank you for listening.
2: Getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the washing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers,
1: you will remember to visit inspiresleep.com.
2: Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com.